That was very, very cool. Okay, well, good evening. Great to be with all of you tonight. And obviously, um, it's a little bit different uh, tonight. We're not going to be in the book of Acts. We are going to be talking about, I want to make some connections tonight between the Feast of Tabernacles and the New Testament. And even more importantly, the Feast of Tabernacles and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to connect those things for you. So as you were coming in, you probably saw we had what, what uh, in Hebrew is called a sukkah. Everybody say sukkah. <laughs> so a sukkah is a tent. And uh, then we, you know, have a smaller one here. So, you know, I know it's kind of in the way of the screen, but in the background we'll have stars and, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I've got some announcements uh, for tonight. And the first one is... I want to invite you guys all to come back tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, we are going to be showing a video uh, from a friend of ours. His name is Tom Moorhead. He's a filmmaker. He's, you know, a young surfer guy, but he loves the Lord and he uh, has a love for Israel. And we've known each other over the years. And he said, man, Pastor Ray, I just, I needed to go over there and talk to the Palestinians hear their side, uh, and then, you know, the Israelis, and hear their side, and then it find, is there any way that, you know, we can see them kind of coming together? So he, he went all out, went over there, talked to everybody, put this thing together, and he, we're going to be showing that tomorrow night uh, for our Sunday night service, and that will begin at about at 6 p.m., and then afterwards, he's going to be here because he lives here in San Diego. And uh, so he and I are going to sit down and have a little conversation. I'm going to ask him questions. And obviously, I've been to Israel many times, and he has, and behind the scenes. But I think it's a very, very beautiful, powerful, and important uh, discussion that we need to have. So kind of fits in with this weekend and with the Feast of Tabernacles. The other thing I wanted to quickly mention is... Uh, that I have done a brand new step into the story prophecy update video and it will be landing Monday morning. So if you haven't heard of that series, you know, I encourage you to go to the apps and go to Maranatha Chapel. You have to do Maranatha Chapel TV and then you can sign up for it. It's free. And then the uh, step into the story series and this one is out of the book of Revelation, uh, and I think it's going to be very, very interesting for you about prepared places for the Jewish people in the very end of times. Uh, and then I've got even more good news. Uh, I have, but I can't tell you yet what it is, but I'm going to just say this. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. I know, but next month. Um, we, well, because I, I just talked uh, to a friend who they, they said that they are coming and I'm hoping that it really will happen, but we may have, uh, I did a, um, a step into the story about the red heifer. So if you haven't seen that, I want to, you know, encourage you, go and watch that because we're looking at signs of the times and I believe we're living in the last days. And so part of that is... It, it, you know, there has to be a third temple that is rebuilt. 
So um, what I want you to know is that before they can have a temple, and what the temple really is about is about sacrifices, and before they can do sacrifices, there is something they have to do before they can do any of that, and that is that they have to sacrifice a red heifer. So I don't have time to go into it tonight, but there is something related to the red heifer. And by the way, there are friends of mine, they're, they're in Texas, there are rabbis going to all the ranchers of Texas, literally right now, looking, and there's ranchers, Texas guys that have got all these red heifers that are saying, we wanna have the red heifer to be able to give to the Jews to sacrifice on the Mount of Olives so the third temple can be rebuilt. So anyway, what I'm saying is there is a surprise that I think is gonna be coming next month and I'll let you know when I can tell more. Okay, was that good or bad? I don't know. Okay, so here's the deal. Okay, you guys know what this is? It's a shofar. And I've been practicing and trying and I could not make a squawk. Well, I could do that, but I couldn't make a sound. But I prayed and I prayed through and I'm gonna do it tonight. I think it's appropriate. On the Feast of Tabernacles, I'm gonna blow. And so, you know, I've told you guys, I believe that God has called me to be a watchman for the church for this hour. I wanna add to that, not just me, but since you're here <laughs> and you're with me, you are all watchmen as well. I, I can't do this by myself. Look, it's about us. The, the Lord wants the body of Christ. My job is to prepare you for the ministry. The ministry is not just giving Bible studies. The ministry is, you know, I'm a shepherd. I teach you, you know, how to go into the word, have a relationship with God. And then you're the salt that God sprinkles into the world. And it's you talking to your family and your friends. You are the mouthpiece and the trumpet that I believe that God is gonna be using because we, I'm, I'm gonna just say this before I blow this trumpet. I'm gonna say, I, I'm doing this kind of in, in a prophetic way. I believe the Lord told me, you know, I finally let you figure out how to blow that thing. And I want you to blow it on the Feast of Tabernacles. And then I just want you to tell my people, they will not be able to conceive what I am about to do a, during, from now until the Feast of Tabernacles in the fall of 2022. So listen, uh, as much as we have all been shaken, the Lord is telling me this has only been the beginning and you ain't seen nothing yet. There's, there is coming a bigger, deeper, mightier shaking. Not just, it's not just America Central. We're part of the world, and right now, there's nobody that's out of this deal. Australia's in it, New Zealand is in it, Europe is in it, Africa, South America, uh, we're, we're all in this together. And he just said, I am, I'm going to shake the world, and it is time to sound the alarm so that those who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying will wake up, know what time it is, and know how to live for such a time as this. Can I hear an amen on that? All right. Here we go. Lord willing.
Okay, so um, uh, we welcome those who are, uh, you know, watching online. We welcome those who are listening to the radio KSDW. Let's clap and let them know we're glad to have them. And, um, okay, bow your heads and let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this time. And I, I thank you, Lord, that I, you know, I, I thank you that I have a family, I have brothers and sisters. We're all in this together. There's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Uh, these are not days that we can say, wow, we don't like what's going on. Let's all get in a ship and go discover a new world and start over. Those days are gone. The world has been filled up. The seven continents are taken. So Lord, we have to hear your voice. We have to hear your word and we need to follow you with everything within us. And we need to love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, and Lord, that, that you might be glorified and that there would be a great harvest of souls that would come into the kingdom. So may we hear what the Spirit says to the church tonight. In Jesus' wonderful, mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Okay, I wanted to add, not only is he, he look, look, more shaking is coming, he said, but, as the intensity of the shaking goes. And by the way, the purpose of the shaking is to knock down everything that is built on sand. Read idols. Things that people have put their faith and trust in as gods, they've worshiped it, whether it's money or pleasure or whatever it may be. Those things are built on sand and he's shaking everything so that the idols that people thought that was my God fall on their face, fall apart, and they go, we can't worship that, it's not a God. And the only one who will be standing is the Lord God Almighty. Amen. And I therefore believe that we are about to enter a year of greater, bigger, deeper glory of the spirit of the living God. And I felt, you know, like a little bit even with uh, the worship team in this last song. I mean, you know, it's for offering and we're giving, but man, they just closed their eyes and we were taken on a journey. You know what I'm saying? So that's where we're gonna, that's where we're gonna be swimming. Okay, so uh, let me just say this about the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, starting, God's heart has always been to tabernacle among his people. Starting in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, this is what God has always wanted. He doesn't just wanna be the big creator way out there but he wants to be literally in among his sons and daughters. He made us in his image and after his likeness. So the first point in my outline tonight, the God of creation humbles himself to come and tabernacle among us. Now, the God of all creation, you know, that created this universe that we still have not seen the end of it. 2021, with all of our science and technology, the universe continues. We make more, better, powerful telescopes, but the universe, we, we keep seeing more. It goes deeper and deeper. Know this, God says he spans the universe in his right hand. That's how big it is to him. But to us, it's endless. But this creator, came down after he made all of the creation and in the midst of all that, this tiny little planet called Earth, where he made these tiny little people, Adam and Eve, in his own image and after his own likeness. Then he called a man named Moses and he said, come up the mountain and God, the God of creation came down to Mount Sinai. 
And there was cloud, thunder, lightning. Uh, you know, there was rain. There was just the voice of God and the glory of God because he wanted to dwell. And all the three million people are down in the valley below, terrified. So what God told Moses, yeah, he gave him the Ten Commandments, but then God said, I want you to build a tabernacle down there in the, in the middle of my people. Literally, God said, I want you, and it's a tent. And I, I'm gonna, this glory, the glory of the power of God, the glory of God, the creator God that's up on the mountain, so terrible and marvelous and wonderful, he says, I wanna come down. I wanna be right in the middle of all three million of my chosen sons and daughters. So you build a tabernacle. Now, from then on, God said, every year. So this is after the Exodus. You know, God takes on the idols and the gods, the false gods of Egypt. He delivers them miraculously. And now he comes down and dwells with them. And for the next 40 years, the glory of God will be manifest in the tabernacle. And this is, so from then on, you know, generation after generation, God said, every year at the same time for one week, I want every family to build a little tent in their backyard or on their side yard. I want you to take your kids, so this could be 100 years after the Exodus, 200, 300, 400, 500, whatever. I want all the family to camp. You're gonna go camping outside and you build a little sukkah, a little tent, and then it's to be made in such a way, he said, when you, when you put a roof on it, don't make it solid. Do it with some palm branches, but I want the kids to be able to look and see through the roof because I want them to see the stars. And then when the kids are, you know, so it's kind of fun, you know, the kids, mom and dad, and everybody's outside for seven days. And okay, mom and dad, why are we doing this? And they go, I'm glad you asked that question. Let me tell you about our people. And they would tell them the whole story of we were slaves 400 years down in Egypt and Pharaoh and bricks and you know horrible stuff. And then God did these miracles and 10 signs and wonders and he delivered us mightily. And then he came down from the mountaintop and he revealed his glory and he, he, he fed us the angel's food. Bread came from heaven and water came out of a rock for three million people. So they got to tell the story to their children, every generation. So that's where all of this comes from, from the very beginning. Now, let me just say this, because we're gonna take that story and now connect it to the New Testament and connect it to Jesus. John chapter one, verse 14. And let's read this verse out loud together. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now you'll notice here when I put it in your Bibles, I translated or put in brackets, the word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacle. That's what the Greek word means. Is literally, the Hebrew word would be he tabernacle. So, so the glory of God was in animal skin tents. So the idea is that the Shekinah glory would shine and burn and be seen through the skin of the animals who were sacrificed. Now God says, I'm gonna tabernacle, I'm gonna put my Shekinah glory 
in a, in a tent, not of an animal. It'll be a man, it'll be my son, but he also will be your sacrifice, and through him, my glory will burn and shine. So God moved from a tent, tabernacle, now through the sacrifices, literally into the person of Jesus. Now, we don't have time to go into all of this, but I just wanted to let you know that our Jewish uh, brothers and sisters called Messianic believers, for many reasons, believe that Jesus was not, I, I don't want to you know, ruin it, but he, he maybe was not actually born on December 25th. I'm just saying. Look, Christmas is fine, and it's all good, and gifts, and Christ is in the center of it, but... So if he wasn't born, you know, because it has a long history, December 25th, if he wasn't really maybe not born on that day, well, when was he born? Our Jewish brothers and sisters say they believe they know the day he was born. He was born on the Feast of Tabernacles. And part of what they, so it's still in the fall, it's close, you know. So, but here's where they get it. And part of it is John 1:14, And the word, so God spoke everything into existence. That's the uniqueness of the God of the Bible. Let there be light, which actually in Hebrew is much more succinct. God said, light be. And light was. God speaks, that's power. It happens. And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Jesus is the living tabernacle, which means he's the living temple he literally, so the beautiful thing is that, that worshiping God is not going to a place, but it's entering into a relationship with a person. And the person is none other than the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of the living God. Can I hear an amen on that? I love that. When, do you remember when Jesus took three of the disciples? Not everybody, but he took Peter, James, and John, uh, and he took them up to the top of a mountain, I think it's in Matthew chapter 17. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Jesus' skin, his hair, his face, and his clothing began shining brilliantly with the Shekinah glory of God burning through him. I want to say to you, I do not believe something came down, you know, as it were, upon him. I believe what happened is he let their eyes be open to what was always there and going on. You guys are going to see who I really am. I'm going to let you see it. And when they did that, you know, they're like, oh, you know, they don't know because their understanding of the Messiah was, well, he's like a king, he's a leader, maybe a political guy, he delivers us, but... The, the prophets were saying, he's much more than you ever dreamed. Much, much more. And now Jesus is revealing his deity, his divinity uh, through this. What is, do you remember what Peter said? Peter's up, they're up on the mountain. Jesus is glowing like the sun, like lightning. He goes, oh Lord, this is good. Let's build three tabernacles. One for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you. Do you remember him saying that? Do you know why Peter said that? Because he was saying, this is the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles. That's what he was thinking as a Jewish person, because in tabernacles, that's when God literally dwells with men. He goes, wow, Jesus, you are the Son of God, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Here we are. Bring your kingdom now. We'll be, build three tents, tabernacles. In other words, so tabernacles was the fulfillment of the coming 
of the kingdom of God or of the Messiah. So the Feast of Tabernacles, um, it's the only one of the feasts, listen to this, because we've been doing all seven of them, and it's the only feast where God commanded that you rejoice. He says, you need to rejoice because the fulfillment of this is when I'm finally not just way up in the heavens, seated on a throne far away, but the glory of the power of the universe, the creator of all things is on the earth in the midst of his children, literally tabernacling in the midst of us right here on planet earth. Can I hear an amen? Lord, come quickly in Jesus' name. So they would be praying uh, for rain because, you know, the agricultural season in the fall, they're praying for more rain. They're thanking God, rejoicing for his provision and everything that God had done for them. But it was an, an anticipation for the arrival of the Messiah. Every tabernacles, they're looking for the Messiah will probably come during the Feast of Tabernacles. The prophet Zechariah speaks of a time when God will fight. It says that in the last days, the whole world will turn against Israel. And there are many reasons for that, but they they come against them. All the nations of the world at the very end lose their minds and they go after Israel. And that's when God, literally through Jesus and through the book of Revelation, steps in and destroys all of the invading armies, delivers Israel, and brings the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Now listen to this. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 16 says, after that final war, which in Revelation is called the Battle of Armageddon, it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall now go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. So literally, after the battle of Armageddon, Jesus wins, he's ruling, reigning, sitting on the throne of David in Israel from that point on and for the next thousand years, at the very same time, we're in the Feast of Tabernacles right now, all the way through tomorrow and into Monday, the whole world will go and worship and bend their knee and call the name of Jesus as Lord at the Feast of Tabernacles. So that's how powerful and big this is. Now, we'll go on to this, Jesus and the rivers of living water. So if you have a Bible, I want you to open it to the Gospel of John chapter seven. And it's probably a familiar chapter to you Many of you probably like me, John is one of my favorite, if not the favorite, in the New Testament and of the Gospels. John was so beautiful and so unique. John chapter seven. Um, So what you need to know is that there are seven days of the Feast of Trumpets, and every day for seven days, there is a water ceremony. So in the very, from the very first day, every day the high priest would take a bunch of priests and they would go from the Temple Mount and they would go down, because the Temple Mount is a little mountain plateau, they would go down south to a pool called the Pool of Siloam. And this was this, uh, where a natural spring and they, they had water there 
So he would take a golden pitcher, the high priest. So the whole nation is watching. How often do they get to see the high priest? And he puts a golden pitcher into the water from the pools of Siloam. And then they track back up to the temple. And people are praying and they're worshiping and they're crying out to the Lord because, again, they were an agricultural uh, nation. And then the priest would pour the water out. And the people would be shouting, praising, thank you, Lord. Thank you, O God, that we have made it through this year. Thank you that you've been good to us. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you that we have food on the table. Thank you that our nation has been protected from our enemies. Thank you that we have our children and we have our land and we have our homes and we we have so much to give praise and thanks to you. And by the way, as we pour this water out, We are praying that you will send now rain. We need rain so that our crops will be fruitful come this spring. So there, for seven days, there's this big water uh, ceremony. It's a very extravagant and a very uh, big procession. Now, so I wanna connect that water ceremony and the Feast of Tabernacles Now so you know where it is in the Bible. Look with me, John chapter 7, beginning of verse 1. So we don't have time tonight to read through the whole chapter, but I'm going to give you a couple of verses to put this couple of chapters, John 7 and 8, in context. Verse 1 says, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. And now Jesus begins making his way finally to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. And then you look in verse 14. It says, now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. So now it puts John 7 and John chapter 8 in the context of the Feast of Tabernacles. So people are praying for rain, they're praying for the Lord to come, they're praying for the Messiah and his kingdom to come. And one of the Psalms that during those seven days of of Tabernacles, one of the Psalms that they would all be singing uh, and praising the Lord out loud together was Psalm 18, verses 25 and 26. Now I think this is gonna be another connection that you're gonna make. Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26. Let's read this out loud. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. So that's what they're crying out. They're crying the Messianic Psalms. Well, there was a time in Jesus' life and ministry when they also did that, and they were waving palm branches. What day was that? Palm Sunday. Why were they all waving the palm branches? Because they're thinking of the Feast of Tabernacles, and during the Feast of Tabernacles, that's when they were hoping and praying that the Messiah would come. So now they're crying out during the Feast of Tabernacles, Come, Lord, blessed Lord. The very things they cried out on Palm Sunday, they're crying out during this week. So they're crying out. Here's what I want you to realize. They're waving palm branches. They're crying for Messiah, Messiah, come. And who's there? The Messiah. He's right there. 
And for seven days, they've been doing this water thing where they go down the pitcher of the water, they come up and they pour it out. Thank you for the rain. Thank you that we have water. We can even pour it out and waste it and show you that we trust you, but we need more rain. So they're thinking water and rain and protection and all of those things. And then on the last day of the feast, okay, so they've done that for seven days in a row. Then there's one extra day, and on the last day of that celebration, there's no ceremony. The priest doesn't go to the pool of Siloam. He doesn't go get water, and they just stand there in the temple, and they go, now, Lord, we're praying not just for physical water, but now on this eighth day, the last day, the great day, we're praying for you to pour out the rain of your Holy Spirit. Rain upon us. Lord, the early rains, the latter rains, the spirit of God, joy, peace, all the fruit of the spirit and of your glory, would you be poured out upon us? They're praying for literally the reign of the Holy Spirit. Now read John chapter seven, verses 37 and 38, putting it in this context. And I hope you will, it will never be the same for you. Let's read it out loud. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Is that amazing? On the last day, they're looking at the high priest and they're going, wow, we've done the water ceremony seven days. He's not doing it. Now we're praying for the spirit and everybody's like this and the high priest is praying, send your spirit. And Jesus on that day, the last day, the great day says, is anyone thirsty for the spirit? Let him come unto me and out of your belly shall flow and gush forth rivers of living water. I didn't put the next verse 39, but John interprets it and says, this Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit who is now to come. So we have this river. If you have been born again, you have a river, literally rivers flowing in you and through you all the fruit of the Spirit, the presence of God, the gift of eternal life. The, the Lord knows you. You have an identity with him. Your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You are going to be loved and blessed and spoiled and rule and reign with Christ for all of eternity. Those are the rivers of living water for you and me. Isn't that beautiful? Woo! Okay, so real quick. Now, I need you to grab your Bible or your iPad or whatever it is you're on. Okay, go to Isaiah chapter 12. This is so cool. So cool. Because during the Feast of Tabernacles, during those seven days, they sing Isaiah 12. Isaiah 12 is not verses to be read, it's, it's not, you know, things to be, you know, like a school and learning, it's a hymn, it's a song, it's only six verses long, and I believe that it was on this day, even the last day, where they're praying for the Spirit, and Jesus says, come unto me, if you're thirsty, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, this he spoke of the Holy Spirit. So the people are also singing and chanting this song all day long. So Isaiah chapter 12, uh, beginning in verse two. 
So I, I, you guys have to be able to look at it with me, but it says, behold, God is my salvation. You see that? Do you know what the Hebrew word is for salvation? Yeshua. That's what they're singing. Behold, God is my Yeshua. I don't know what the tune was, but it's kind of something like that. And then he goes on, he says, I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, Yahweh, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. They're singing. He has become my Yeshua. They're singing Jesus' name on the Feast of Tabernacles. Because this psalm, or this, uh, this hymn of Isaiah 12, they're singing. So twice is Jesus' name. Then verse three, therefore with joy you will draw water. So that's why they sang this on the Feast of Tabernacles because of the water ceremony. And they're praying for rain. Therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of Yeshua. Salvation. Yeshua's name is in Isaiah 12 three times. Three times. They're literally singing in Hebrew, the wells of Yeshua, the greatness of Yeshua. And you know, there's Jesus going, Yeshua, I'm here, I'm right here. And now look, this is even cooler. Man, I'm having fun. Okay, verse six. I love this, the last verse. This is the end of the song. It says, cry out and shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel who is standing in your midst. They're singing that. They're literally singing, for great is the Holy One of Israel, and the Hebrew word mixed means he's standing right in the middle of you all. Right here, right then. And Yeshua said on the last day, the great day, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink, for out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And this he spake of the Holy Spirit that is to come. Oh, that's so beautiful, I love it. Now, there was also something else that happened during the Feast of Tabernacles, and that was there was a light show, a temple light show. So after the water ceremony, this, uh, the light show happened at night. Every night in the temple area, everybody would go outside and they would be celebrating and dancing and singing in a glorious, beautiful light show. There were literally these four gigantic, so I've kind of got a picture here. Uh, it shows you how tall those things were, and there's only two here, but there were four of them. And they, they just, they lit up the, the beautiful Jerusalem, they lit up the temple, the priests are out there in all of their priestly uh, garments, there's joy, there's moms and dads and boys and girls and they're singing. Four towering menorahs were lit up and the priests would light, do this light show and the priests would do uh, dancing, they would perform torch dances while the Levites sang and while the people played music and they were celebrating. And usually it would occur almost all night long, all through the night. One of the sayings of the rabbis was, he who has not seen the rejoicing of the feast of trumpets at night has never seen rejoicing in his life. 
they were just singing, shouting, and it was, and so what were those four menorah? Because, you know, they were inside, of course, there's menorah in the temple, but only the priest could go there. So these four menorah outside, everybody in the nation could see them. What was it showing and reminding the people? Remember the glory of God that shone the pillar of fire, the Shekinah glory, the beautiful, fiery manifestation of the presence of God. And it was like, this is your God. This is the great God, the great light. And then in John chapter eight, verse 32, still the Feast of Tabernacles, what does Jesus say? John chapter eight, verse 32, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Do you realize how amazing that sentence is? That's a radical statement. To stand in the middle of the temple, in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles, and say, I am the light of the world was like saying, I am the Shekinah. I am the pillar of fire. I am the divine revelation of the mystery of the glory of God. And for that reason, there are many who really regard the Feast of Tabernacles as the consummate messianic holiday, that literally everything is moving in, in world history and it's moving literally to that place and to that time and, and where when Jesus comes, he defends not only Israel, but he defends all of those who love him, believe in him and trust in him at that time, defeats the enemies. How many of you would, cannot wait for the day that the armies of Jesus and all the angels of him come down and knock down every tyrant, despot, weirdo, pharaoh, Hitler, evil, you know, whatever. Once and for all, they are brought down. Well, let me tell you something. That's what's on its way. I am telling you, heaven is stirring. The angels are excited and on assignment. The kingdom of heaven is about to come and to be manifest. Part of that will be that the early, the, the Bible, Joel, he said, blow the trumpet, there's the early rain and the latter rain. God says, I'm gonna bring an early rain, a mighty outpouring in the beginning, rain speaking of the spirit, and there'll be a latter rain. Let me tell you very simply what I believe that means. I believe the early rain was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the church, which was during Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit came like fire the Shekinah glory, and they were overwhelmed with the goodness of the Lord, and they gave testimony to the Lord, and Peter and the apostles preached, and multitudes came into the church. It started with a bang. It started with a mighty early rain. But then, it says, there's the latter rain. That's actually in the you know, agricultural year. You've got the early rains, and then you've got the latter rain. God says there is one last great outpouring of my Holy Spirit. I believe that we're right on the cusp of it. By the way, continue to pray for all of our citizens who are yet in Afghanistan, and they are being rescued, and there are many bad things that are happening and, and many horrible things, but there are testimonies and stories, and there are even now rescues, pray as many efforts are underway, and even in the midst of that, I tell you now, 
There is a revival going on in Afghanistan. God is visiting his people and the church supernaturally. There are visions, there are dreams, there are people coming to the Lord. There's things that had not happened that are now happening because it's the time and we are living in such times as that. So there will be a great final outpouring. In fact, uh, in the book of Revelation it says and the, you know, the book of Revelation gives numbers. It says there's gonna be an army that comes from the east. How big is the army gonna be? It tells us exactly 200 million from the east that are coming to the Battle of Armageddon. That's an exact number, 200 million army, that's a lot. But then it says, but then I saw a vast multitude from every nation, every language, every kindred, and every tribe and it doesn't even give a number, but it says these are those who have come out of all the things of the last days and that shall stand before the Lord their God and shall be saved. I believe the greatest, you know, when uh, Jesus, his first miracle was what? Turning water into wine. When did he turn the water into wine? At the very, very end. What is the message that he was saying with the first miracle? Because everything that's first becomes the type and prototype of the future. He saves the best for last. So I believe the greatest revival in human history will also come at the time of the greatest shaking that the world has ever known. Because God's knocking all the idols down. Bam, one at a time. He's knocking them down. Every God, every idol will be on its face and we'll be acknowledging he is the lone king of kings and lord of lords. We're on the winning side. It's already been decided 2,000 years ago. We're not fighting for victory since the cross and resurrection. We're fighting from victory. That's why the Bible says you just stand your ground because where you stand in Christ, it's already won. Amen? Woo. Amen. Okay, let's all stand. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise you. So, man, we've covered a lot of ground, but surely there is a, something in there that the Lord is whispering to you to take to heart. That's what I cannot give you. I can't give you, you know, my notes and say, okay, this is how it will apply to you. The Holy Spirit will take the word and apply it to your life. As a believer and, and filled with the Holy Spirit, knowing kind of what's coming, what's already here, I mean, it's really nothing earth shattering what I have shared with you, but to hear that it's gonna keep coming and going in the direction it is going, but that don't be afraid, it's, the world's not falling apart, it's falling into place, God already knew, God already has a plan, he's on the throne, and he's using it to bring to purify our hearts so that we will uh, cast down anything of the world, anything of the flesh, anything tainted of the devil, and our hearts will be pure before him and that we will go deeper than we've ever gone. We will begin walking in obedience, not out of some religious obligation, but out of uh, just an, a pure heart. That Lord, you know, when I do my own thing, it falls apart, it's miserable, and I'm <laughs> miserable. But as your son or daughter, I've learned I can trust you, your ways are good, your wisdom and counsel are right, and I choose now from my own heart to walk with you, to trust in you, to be near you, to obey you, to follow you, 
And I want to bring my family and my friends and everybody I know and love and care with me, I want to bring them with me. These are the days we live in. So Father, we just thank you that you're, you're moving, uh, you're speaking, uh, you're purifying, and everybody, you know, the, the devil is freaking out. Um, as you said, he would. The, the closer the end comes, the more he gets freaked out because he knows he's running out of time. So time is really on our side. And I pray that that will bring hope and confidence and peace uh, to your children. And may the joy of the Lord break through in all of our lives in a new and fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.